0: I'm Michelle, Certified Personal Trainer and Certified Nutrition Coach.
1: And I'm Marissa, and I'm a Certified Nutrition Coach and Group Fitness Instructor, and this
0: is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit.
1: Tune in for your twice-a-week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday.
0: We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the canceling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support indigenous folks. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Strong and Simple Podcast. I am Michelle and I'm here with Marissa and our incredible guest today, Erica Webb. Uh, Super excited to chat with Erica today. She is a mindful movement coach who uses somatic exercise, yoga and mat Pilates to support women to shift tension and reconnect with their body through a lens of self-kindness and curiosity. Erica's approach to movement is one that centers simplicity and gently moving beyond our subconscious habits. She believes that movement doesn't have to be complicated to count and is a big fan of using bite-sized movements to bring more movement into the every day. She runs an online movement space called the Self-Kind Hub and sees clients privately from all over the world via the magic of the internet. And welcome, Erica. i so excited for you to be joining us today.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Yay. There
0: is so much um, that you do that I admire. And um, your. as I was just reading your intro, I was like, oh, yes, I want to make sure we talk about this. And I want to make sure we talk about this. Um, <laughs> but before we get into that, I would love for you to, you know, just kind of introduce yourself to everybody um, and how you found yourself doing what you're doing.
2: Mm. All right. Well, it's lovely to be here. And as you said, I'm Erica. Um, I am you know it's funny I've forever struggled to introduce myself I find it a really hard thing to do because I don't feel like it fits into a neat tidy little box Um, and I guess that's kind of why I've ended up here I think I think I've always sort of felt like I didn't quite belong in the mainstream yoga world Um, before that I actually worked you know like a regular nine to five corporate job um, and I burnt myself out really really quickly Um, so I left the corporate world Really pretty young, I guess. I was only in my mid 20s, but I was really in quite a mess. Like I was trying to start a family and, you know, wasn't getting periods, was really quite unwell. And I kind of always had in the back of my mind that wouldn't it be cool to teach yoga when I was, you know, a mum and that I could sort of be here to pick up my kids from school and do all of those things that I always really wanted to do. Um, And so when I kind of hit that wall and and realized that I was completely burnt out, um, I went on and became a yoga teacher. But then I kind of just kept burning myself out. um not through teaching but you know I had had two kids within two years and I decided that would be a great time to study my master's degree um there was a lot of things going on at the time that were not my sort of traumas but traumas that were happening around me that I was a support person for and I just kept finding myself in a position of just complete disarray and I hit rock bottom I guess when my kids were like two and and a baby and I realized that I just hated myself I just absolutely hated the person that I was and I sat in the car and I remember it so clearly and it still makes me feel really sad when I think about it I sat in my car with my two kids bawling their eyes out in the back seat because they were you know, babies. And I I think I literally said out loud, I, I hate myself. I'm 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 a terrible, you know, mother person, et cetera, et cetera. And I wasn't. I was just having a really hard time. And I kind of then sort of started this journey of what would it look like to be kind to myself? And that was the thing that changed everything. So I had help. It wasn't sort of just something that happened on the inside, but me that, you know, when I was sort of in that position, I'd hear all these things like you have to take care of yourself. And I was like, I don't even like myself enough to do that. You know, I don't, to care for something, you have to like it (laughs) or even love it. Um, And I was like, I don't feel that. So it felt very, very hard. And so I realized through the support of a really wonderful coach that I could ultimately move towards kindness instead and that felt easier because it was a step-by-step little moment-by-moment decision and so as I kind of pulled myself out of that state I started sharing more and more through that lens of self-kindness so that's kind of how I landed in what I consider to be the um the overarching message of what I share the sort of more specific how did I end up doing you know like teaching the way I teach really became because I didn't fit into that that norm I didn't want to be you know pretzeling my my body into crazy shapes even though I could for a while I was like this doesn't help me or you know necessarily anyone else um and I realized that for a lot of people they were being given information like go and do yoga go and do pilates and help your back and I was like but then they probably find themselves in these classes and they're you know being invited to stand on their head within the first 90 minutes and they're like but how is this helping helping my back Um, and so I started to kind of put those two things together I suppose and um, by very happy accident I ended up becoming certified as a somatic uh, somatic exercise coach, which changed everything. Um, but really, it was like, I kind of think of myself as being that person that you maybe end up going to because um, other movement spaces don't feel available. Um, it feels hard to picture yourself doing the things that you see these people doing and you think, but I need something, right? Like, I need to do something to help me feel better. But if I go into if I walk into that yoga class with all these women in lycra, and they're all doing headstands, I'm going to feel like a fool. So that's sort of that sort of the gap, I guess I fill. That was very long winded.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I, I think that, that is such a, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that story and, and your openness around that. And I do think it's something that resonates with a lot of people. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious, I think a lot of people are going to possibly have a question mark around somatic movement, somatic exercise. Can you explain to our listeners, like, what what is that?
2: Yeah. Look, the word somatic gets used in lots of different ways. Um, there's somatic psychotherapy, which is very different to what I do, um, and there's and there's lots of different ways to to use the word. But the the tradition that I guess I've been um, influenced by is. Um, Called uh, Hannah Somatics, so founded by a guy called Thomas Hannah, and I haven't been trained in a traditional sense, and uh, which I love because I'm I'm not a traditionalist at all. I'm like take take all the pieces and smush them together. I'm not a, a, actually that interested in purity, but um, ultimately, somatics is a prose like it's a movement practice that invites us to move more into a pattern of tension before we try to release it. So I always give the example of shoulders because it's something people can relate to. When we've got shoulders that sort of want to sit up around our ears, so often our strategy will be stretch them, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I know for you guys probably strengthen them. And um which is kind of kind of where we end up going anyway, but the somatics would say let's give the muscles more of what they think they want, right? What we've told them we want really over a lifetime of habits. So we take it more into tension and then we do, it's called a pendiculation. So it's like yawning. It's like, you know, that movement where you stretch and you yawn. And so we take them more into the pattern that the muscle already loves. And then we slowly, slowly release and we melt. So it's very slow. So sort of slow practice. It's a little bit like falden Christ, if you've ever done that. Um, So we take it into the pattern, then we melt. And the theory is that in that process of melting, when we're really paying attention and trying to make it smooth and make it clear and all of that sort of stuff, that the nervous system has an opportunity to register that there's another way for these muscles to be held, mm-hmm. that the set point that we've ultimately created by habit of, you know, being like, my wow, life is so stressful um, that we can, we can. Uh, almost it's a little bit like turning your phone off and on again when something's kind of gone a bit dodgy right like we're like I just need that moment where everything resets and so it's sort of that's how that's that's the theory and that's how we think about it
1: that sounds amazing just the word melt I'm like I I want
2: that (laughs) which is what's so lovely about it because it's it becomes very available I guess to bodies where um, stretching feels complicated or even potentially Really awkward to to do, um, so you know we modify it for people to be able to do it sitting in chairs, and um, it's usually very specific to a body part. Um, I tend to use it in lots of different ways now that I've been doing it for such a long time, but we tend to make it very specific. So we might be like doing one movement that's very specific for just the muscles in your waist, or just your shoulders, or just your hips. Um, and so part of it too is just paying attention, and when we pay attention and we kind of increase the um, that that very real brain body connection we're affecting the representation of our body in our brain and then we have we might feel better just simply because that kind of brain map is clearer when we're done and so we walk away and we're like wow I feel a little bit more like I'm inhabiting myself and I think it's it is because we've paid attention and we've if we do it when we meet ourselves with kindness too, rather than being like, "Oh, my body parts are so terrible," um, then we walk away feeling a little bit more like we're in ourselves and, and inhabiting our body more clearly.
0: Yeah, I'm just registering all of this, like waiting for. I'm like, are you going to say something? I am. I am. You know, I always uh, i i think I process, and then it, you know, comes out. She's the, she's the pensive co-host. <laughs> just fire things off. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were talking about um, going into a yoga class and you're like, oh, I'm going to go into a yoga class and because it's going to help my back and then everybody's standing on their heads, I can so relate to that. And for so long, I thought yoga was not for me um, and that I was not a yoga person because I'm not bendy and um, never felt comfortable being in those classroom settings and um, and never even really felt like the instructor wanted to even be bothered with trying to help me want to be there in that space, or, you know, um, mm. And I'm sure some of that was my own, my own shit, like my own mm. anxieties and things um, projected on myself. But no, seeing now, um, and it, I will say be, through the wonders of, the inter- internet and the and Instagram, seeing how yoga can be a practice that can be and should be accessible to everybody, and at the roots of the origins of yoga, that um, being able to stand on your head is not even necessarily the most important piece of it, and how Western culture has kind of morphed it and whitewashed it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you are making pra- this practice practice um, and these movements like through working through poses on chairs and things like that um, available to everybody so mm-hmm. I think that's really
2: yeah and it's it's an interesting one because um, I think the the because the, I often struggle to kind of say I don't fit into the normal culture and this is why because it sounds like I'm bashing it and I don't want to do that um, because I'm very respectful of the fact that for some people that's awesome right they mm-hmm. they love standing on their head and that brings them great you know pleasure um, but I think that there is a very fine line that I don't want to cross around being a good person and that kind of like morality piece that sometimes gets inserted into a yoga practice um, and just doing things because they they, they ultimately feel good and nurturing to your body. Um, and I think that, you know, when you sort of talk about that, like how, how perhaps the roots of yoga have, have been warped, And I, and I think I, I probably, you know, I'm probably guilty of that too, for sure. Um, but I think that it's it's allowing each individual to figure out like what part of of it all do they need and what part of it nurtures them because if it is standing on your head, like more power to you, great. Um, but also we have to recognize that by doing that, we are pushing away a certain, part of the population Um, because they're just like tell me how to not feel like I'm in pain 24 hours of the day and tell me how um, I can you know get to the end of my day and not feel like I want to scream because the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I have no idea how to shift it and I don't think a headstand is going to fix that Um, so I guess it's just like realizing that there's space for more ways you know space for more options and it doesn't mean that the other options are awful and we need to demonize them it just means that they don't fit everybody and and so you're not wrong right if you don't want to do that and you don't like it i don't like mainstream yoga classes i don't go to any um because i don't like the way that i feel when i'm there so i don't do it <laughs>
0: yeah i love that explanation the you know allowing folks to find the space and practice that works for them Um, And that can even change over time, you know, in a space of time, maybe a more restorative yoga practice feels better in this moment in time. And then maybe something that's more athletic and balancing on your
2: head is going (laughs) to feel (laughs) When I was in my twenties, that felt amazing. Yeah felt yeah. amazing and I had a pretty strong practice back then in terms of, you know, like the poses that I would do and I can still do some of them and sometimes I do it because it just is, you know, kind of fun and whatever. But um, on the whole, they don't make me feel the way that I need to feel. So, yeah. 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 Seasons. We definitely have seasons of, you know, <laughs> what's yeah. going to work in our lives and, uh, yeah, I think. But But that's where the kindness comes in, right? Because if we believe that the way that we did it in our 20s, Has to is like the way and if we're not wanting that or feeling that or able to access that in our 30s and 40s then somehow we're wrong right or we're a problem and -hmm. it's like but is that true because i just don't think it is um and so the the kindness piece is giving space for us to really get clear and honest about our needs and you know almost being like i i'm gonna just set aside (laughs) the uh the common narrative around what that should look like and I'm going to try to find out what I need right now um and I think that we're just not taught to do that um at all
1: yeah that's so so true and like as you're saying that I literally I, w- I was thinking about like in my 20s like I used to love to do like the heated power yoga <laughs> and now I'm like I have zero desire to do that again. And it's, it's not what I need. It's not what I'm looking for yeah. in yeah. a yoga class anymore. Like I, I want something slower. I want something that's more intentional and, but there's definitely, you can be tempted to, to think in a different way about it. It's so tempting to think like, well, why don't I want that anymore? Is it cause I can't do it anymore? You know, if I did do that, would my body look like this? Mm-hmm. Um, So even, you know, even if you are in a place where you're like, I just, that's not what I need, there is always still, I think that, that ability to kind of slide back into that kind of negative self-talk.
2: Totally, totally. And we do it every, every which way, don't we? You know, whether it's our movement practice, the way we eat, the things we spend our spare time on. Um, And I think that that's for me where the kindness piece just comes into its own, because when we commit to self-kindness, we're not sort of committing to being nice to ourselves, because, you know, being nice to ourselves is kind of a little bit like, um, you know, treating ourselves like a little kid who's just a bit of a spoiled brat and going to get their way all the time. Whereas when we're kind, we have to actually get uncomfortable to figure out what's true for us. Um, And I, I talk about this from the point of view of, you know, I might not feel like doing something um as an example like I often give this example but I walk every morning during the week weekday it's actually Saturday here but um during the week I walk <laughs> every morning with a girlfriend at 6am and I don't feel like doing that most of the time um but I know I want to because I know I want to chat with her I know I want how the walk is going to make me feel after all those sorts of things so being you know being kind sometimes it makes us get uncomfortable right or it might be like I really don't feel like lifting those weights today or i really don't feel like doing whatever um but i know deep down that that's what i need um likewise it could go in the opposite direction of you've you've had this weight session in your calendar all week and you get to the day and you're like i don't feel like it but also i'm i'm really clear on the fact that this isn't what i need today so i'm able to then set aside that and walk away without feeling guilty Whereas for the, for the most part, we spend a lot of our time just feeling guilty and feeling pulled, you know, like, oh, but should I, or shouldn't I, am I a bad person if I don't, am I a bad person if I um, don't want to, am I, you know, I just want to be good, you know, how much do we, how often do we hear that language of like, oh, you're so good for doing that, oh, I've been so bad, and you're like, are you though, are you just making a choice? um so yeah I just think for me the self-kindness piece is just like it's a filter almost for for figuring these things out yeah definitely
1: you make such a good point about the the good and the bad language I hate that language so much Mm. um you know um, from my practice in nutrition it's you know there's no such thing as good foods and bad foods and it's like when you think about like if exercising makes you good then the obvious inverse is not doing it makes you bad And it's like no you're bad if you killed somebody like you're bad if you stole right like you chose not to exercise today because it wasn't what you needed that doesn't make you bad but you know we have this like script in our head and it's it doesn't Mm. help us it really doesn't do anything helpful for us
2: no and it's everywhere Mm -hmm. I mean that script is everywhere and so you know it's not our fault (laughs) (laughs) a lot of ways that that's how we think um but it's like I don't want to be good like I don't want I don't even want to be good that's not even part of my um part of what I want for myself you know I want to do good things in terms of I want to have a good I want to have a positive impact on people in the world but um I don't want to just sort of get to the end of my day or the end of my life and be like well wasn't I good didn't I follow those rules really well and um you know which is funny because I am quite a rule follower, but I, nice. I, I don't think goodness and badness is is at all helpful. I just think it just you know what a what a great recipe for feeling guilty for the rest of your life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Your epitaph isn't going to say like she was so good, she exercised every day. <laughs>
2: Not I felt miserable for episode. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing because when it's when it comes from that place of goodness, um, I, I. I I would, I would bet that a lot of, pe- a lot of the time, there's an undercurrent of absolute guilt and shame, yeah. um, and that, you know, I mean, that, I think that's what most of us use as a motivator, um, escaping our own guilt. And it's like, okay, but there's, there's other ways to, to get yourself where you want to go. Um, but we've never been taught them because they don't sell.
0: <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. Uh, that idea that. Um, the wellness industry's, you know, narrative of building in that shame factor or superiority factors of, you know, goodness and badness built in, it was just making me think about, um, I'm in the process of um, tier two restorative justice training, which is, um, it, you use it any in any institution, education, mm-hmm. prison systems, things like this for, repairing relationships when harm has been caused and the other night we were talking about um was this really great visual I can't remember what it was actually called but it's stuck in my head as the shame compass so like Mm. when people feel shame um are some folks will withdraw into themselves Um, when they feel shame some people will lash out at other people and kind of try to deflect Mm um and like I guess my point is like that shame is just not a really long lasting impactful motivator for anything because eventually it's not you're just you're not actually dealing with what is actually going on um mm. internally um for and that It sort of
2: has nothing to do with you like yeah. even though it is all you it it kind of has everything to do with the the rules or the um the the messages and the conditioning that we've Mm -hmm. absorbed you know so in some ways it's like you didn't even choose to feel the guilt and shame over this like this is maybe not even important to you like did you check um and that's what really gets me is it's like we're feeling you know you know you might it might even look be bound around the way your body looks we've just been told it needs to look that way right do you even you know, so it's sort of like, it's not even a chosen, it's not even a chosen motivator, but it's our default.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, obviously without like spilling all of your secrets, right. But (laughs) talking a little bit about your approach, (laughs) um, you know, somebody comes to you, you know, brand new client, and they're really stuck in that cycle of like, really hating on themselves, beating themselves up, you know, if they struggle with particular exercise, they're bad, it's their fault, that kind of thing. Like, how do you, what is like the first step in the direction of kindness towards yourself? I guess would be.
2: That's a great question. So I'm actually starting to become a therapist at the moment because oh. this is what, uh, what I've come to realize, I guess, over the last sort of decade of teaching is that it's impossible to, to unpick the mental sort of side of this versus the physical. Um, so I'm, I, my undergraduate sort of studies were in psychology and now I'm just kind of building on those so that I've got some therapy, uh, skills as well. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, uh, I, I guess probably at the moment I do it on a, a like a level that uses the body, I guess, more as a, an entry point. Um, but it's really around helping people to recognize that they have choices. And so when someone comes to me for the first time and, you know, maybe they're feeling, you know, the guilt and they're, they're having a hard time reconnecting with their body because they actually really don't like it. Because maybe it's riddled with tension and they, you know, just feel like it's revolted on them, right? Like it's just, it, it is out to get them. It's their enemy. It's really about firstly like a little bit of talk around the fact that our body is always trying to be like our ally right and and sort of actually going into a little bit of the science behind that because I think when we understand more how our body works we're able to appreciate that oh you know this tension isn't actually my body failing it's it's actually doing its job it's actually doing the thing that it needs to do to keep me safe and once we realize that we have that that primal desire for safety and our body will do anything to meet it Um, and we might not understand it we might not know what it's doing and why it's doing it I think once we understand that then we're able to look at it in a different way right if I know that my sore back my sore shoulder my all these things aren't my body failing they're actually my body you know, maybe trying to get my attention, maybe trying to create a sense of safety because I've been in, you know, a state of stress for the last however many years, Um, then we can actually access that compassion. We can access that kindness because it's like, oh, thank you. Like you're actually trying your best. Um, So there's a little bit of that. And then really trying to, um, I guess a lot of the people who come to me real sort of feel a little bit like, their their avenue for feeling better is being acted upon by somebody else um in the sense that until i can get to my chiropractor until i can get to my massage until i can get to my whatever i have to suffer Mm -hmm. um and so giving them tools then to realize that they actually have a lot more ability to impact their their feeling state than they give themselves credit for um so I guess, and it's interesting, not everybody who comes to me would be like, you know, as far off into that sort of pit that I was. Um, oftentimes it will be just, uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm really feeling pretty stiff these days. I'm um, struggling to to kind of move past that. I want to do yoga, but it feels too hard, all those sorts of things. Um, and my main approach really is helping people sort of find the movement blind spots or the movement habits that they just don't know they have. Um, So one of the big things that I see uh, and people come to me with a lot is like lower back pain, that it doesn't matter. You know, I've been told I just need to go do Pilates. I just need to do this and it'll go away. I just need more core strength and it'll go away. Um, But what they don't realize and what no one's ever told them is that because they have certain ways of moving their body and, and holding their body and inhabiting their body. When they go to do these exercises intended to shift them past that they're doing them through their habit. And so oftentimes they're not even engaging their core or they're not, um, you know, changing the position of certain body parts. And one of the main ones is like, how well can you control your rib cage and pelvis relative to each other? If you can't manage the way that those two body parts relate it doesn't matter how many times you go to Pilates, you're gonna have us all back. You know, you're gonna have a sore back because you're not changing the very thing that you, your brain kind of needs to understand um, to be able to make a shift. So for me, it's really about helping people get clearer on where am I perhaps moving in ways that have actually been really helpful. My body's found them because they're efficient and and they get the job done and they keep me moving in the world but maybe they've outgrown me or I've outgrown them. And and now I need different strategies for moving. I need different options for moving because things are starting to, you know, either break down or deteriorate or I'm in pain that I can't shift or I'm just uncomfortable, whatever it might be. It's not always pain. And so then, you know, helping them identify those patterns is what I do when I work with people kind of more closely one-on-one and just helping people fill their toolbox that's how I think of my job is it's like I just want to give you tools so that then as you navigate being in a human body you can be like oh I could use this tool in this instance because I'm feeling this way and I want to feel that way and so that's where that sort of you know in my in my intro bio or whatever I talk about like little movement breaks and that's where I like to use those because it's like if you've got a toolbox You don't have to wait until the end of the day when you had an hour scheduled. You don't have to wait until, you know, you've got your appointment with your preferred health provider. You can do something literally right now. And when we do that, we actually start to tap into our ability to trust ourselves Um, because it's not even about, I did what I said I'd do, you know, which is, I guess, one part of self-trust, but it's like, I paid attention to what I needed and I did something about it. And it took me, (laughs) it might take, you know, which like is... Radical, <laughs> because we don't yeah. do that. We just ignore and we ignore and we ignore and we're like, why do I feel? You know, yeah. my shoulders are so sore, my hips are so sore, and we stay sitting and we stay sitting at the computer and typing. And um, I think we believe that it has to be so complicated, or you know, it's going to take too long, or I'm still wearing my work clothes or whatever. Um, and so we start to build up that self trust of, I feel a thing, I do something to to help myself shift that, and then I carry on with my day. And so then we start to, to yeah, trust ourselves more, and um, I think that we begin to see our body more as an ally than a than an enemy.
0: Mm. You make a really. I hope good... that answered
2: your question. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sorry,
0: that makes it. You make a good point about um, when our body is helping us move in a more efficient way even if it's not the quote-unquote right way, Mm -hmm. our body is always trying to keep us safe and trying to help us do things with the least amount of energy because our Mm -hmm. bodies are so smart. Um, And I think that's a point that a lot of us miss. And we, even in the fitness world, it's, you know, dysfunction, we talk about them as dysfunctions, as dysfunctional movements, and then we're going to do corrective movements.
2: And Mm -hmm. I love the
0: way that you've kind of reframed that as... Your body was doing something a certain way to either keep you safe or to make you move efficiently. Now things are starting to not feel great. So let's help you find balance as opposed to this. There was something bad, like I guess we could go back into that bad and good Mm -hmm. sort of scenario. Um, So I really love that reframing because I think that that can create a really huge positive mindset shift for Folks, just that one little Mm. tweak in vocabulary um, of how we talk about our bodies
2: yes and it helps people to see to see too that they haven't done anything wrong right because so often when we get into this pattern of of you know tightness and and just sort of feeling a bit of we are so aware of all the things we've done wrong you know oh well, it's my fault because I haven't done xyz um I should have done something sooner you know we get into all of this stuff and it's like yeah but isn't your body so cool for having figured out a way to make it work anyway um mm. because had your body not done that things would be much worse and so yeah it is it is a completely different way of looking at things but again it's because people are very quick this and and this is I think really important actually we are as a species, and I say people like i'm not one of them we are as a as a as a species very we want an answer, right so it's like I remember I did a workshop once where I talked about that that very thing I was just talking about the ribcage pelvis kind of relationship, and I talked about what might be considered to be neutral, and I spoke to somebody a little bit later on. Who had been at that workshop, and she said, Oh, my biggest takeaway was that I just need to stay in neutral. And I was like, well, How was that your takeaway? Because I literally said, I literally said that, that we don't want to stay anywhere. Like we, you know, that we've got this, this idea that we need to sort of stay in a posture that's correct and then we'll be fine. And in this workshop, I was literally sharing the fact that, yes, we, we want to be able to experience a neutral place where force can travel really well but we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay anywhere. We want to be moving. We want to be exploring, you know, all these different things. And so it was really fascinating to me that her takeaway was something that I hadn't even said, but the, but the thing that struck me was that she just wants an answer, Mm. right? She just wants to be able to say, if I just do this, then I'm doing it right.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's
2: what we all want. Right. I mean, I would love an instruction manual. I would Bloody love it it would be amazing for me to be able to say okay cool I'm getting this human thing wrong right because I feel so often like I'm not but we are not like it's such a hard thing to grasp that even the things that um maybe feel somehow wrong because they hurt or it's uncomfortable to be able to say well no actually that's your body doing things right what a mind sort of moment yeah. right of being like but But we're also saying there's a better way. And it's like, yeah, but both can be true. This can be your body doing something really clever. Mm. And at the same time, we can say, yes, and I want new strategies. I want new tools. I want new ways of feeling because this isn't working for me anymore. It doesn't mean that it's bad and that we have to like throw it all out the window but we have a hard time as humans i think accepting the very real reality that two things can be true at the same time and and seemingly contradictory things <laughs> yes like it's hard I mean, to grasp
1: yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head with that i think that is so incredibly true and yeah they want an answer they want the quick fix a lot of the time and which i get right like People are we tapped do out, yeah. right? Everybody's tapped out all the time. Just give me the answer, give me the thing to do. It's gonna fix the thing. You see it in nutrition, you see it in fitness, you see it in recovery from injuries, all of that stuff. And unfortunately, we're just way more complicated than that as humans. Yeah. But yes, and is a very uncomfortable place for most of us to be. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Absolutely. So we just but practice yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's practice. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is another thing we're probably a little bit uncomfortable with, right? Is it's mm-hmm. like if it doesn't work straight away or if I don't get it straight away, mustn't be it, mustn't be, you know, good. Um and I think that's that's where we get into trouble. And I think we talked about this a bit, Michelle, this idea of the the quick fix or the um those sort of more typical sort of fitness and nutrition things that we might see out in the world of like it's 30 days to this or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um we've been sold an unrealistic message that we don't need to take time we don't need to practice we just need to go in at 150 percent for a certain period of time fix things and then go back to normal um and so you know it's not as easy to to sell for sure and it's certainly not as sexy but when we start to <laughs> realize that we're just navigating like mm-hmm. that's the thing it's like this big long you know map that we're trying to navigate and there is no end point to these practices which can be overwhelming, right? Because if you're like, but I have to do this forever. And it's like, yeah, kind of, you know, you brush your teeth every day, you go to the bathroom every day and you're going to have to eat and move every day too. Um, And you will in some form or another, whether it's, you know, intentional or uh, just kind of as a byproduct of being human, living in the world. Um, And so, you know, it goes hand in hand with that wanting an answer, wanting a clear answer. It's like, but also your answer is going to be different tomorrow. (laughs) So stop looking for an answer and start (laughs) checking in with what you need because it's, it's a completely different way of living. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like riding the wave kind of.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing sometimes you're going to need a surfboard and sometimes you might body surf and sometimes you might, you know, get your flippers on and kick against the wave. Like there's no yeah you might have one strategy you like best but it doesn't mean it's going to fit you every day so yeah yeah. definitely
0: yeah the idea of wanting an endpoint, and I think that you know it was I would like to think that in the um invention of the 30-day challenges and you know that there was some good intention there to, you know, help people, like, let's create this habit that will then, Mm -hmm. so we'll go with that there was good intention there, and it wasn't all Mm -hmm. just a marketing ploy, but it has really turned into, I mean, everything is a 14-day challenge, 21-day whatever, you know, and Mm -hmm. then there's this end point, but it's like, but if, I should be doing this forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, you know, not necessarily what that particular program was, but some sort of movement mm-hmm. um practice or nutrition practice that allows us to feel good and move well and you know. But we think the that problem there is, with Yeah, we think yeah, they're sorry, supposed to be it's okay. i am pensive again. I'm just uh trying to find my words. The like we think that there's supposed to be. quick fix and then it's over and then that's Mm -hmm. why we see so many folks kind of falling on and off in the cycle of i'm gonna do this thing for 30 days i did it for 30 days now i'm gonna take a break and then that break Mm -hmm. ends up forever so um
2: and i think partly the reason that we end up doing that is because we never begin with our own reality at the forefront You know, it's not like I'm starting going, okay, well, realistically, what I can do is X, Y, Z. What fits in with my life is this. Um, We never start there in those circumstances anyway, right? We're like, okay, well, the 30 days tells me I need to do this. So this is how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it requires an hour of me every day. And I can sustain that for um, 30 days. Mm -hmm. But after that, I've, I've overcommitted, you know, because the reality of my life doesn't allow for that. Um and so when we don't begin with our own reality and something that's going to be sustainable and simple within that structure, how could we ever, how could we ever believe that we could sustain that? Um, because we've ignored ourselves in the process. We've we've prioritized the practice over the person. And I think that that, um that's a good one. Um (laughs) like those words. We've prioritized the practice over the person and we have to flip it. We have to be the most important piece. And then we have to figure out how everything else fits in with that. Because, you know, I think that the, we hear those those statements all the time of like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. All those things that then deny, you know, the single mother's reality of having to work two jobs and, and go home to her kids or the um, person who's, you know, caring for, for sick parents and children and working and, you know to hear that you could do something that some other person who doesn't have those particular challenges, like how insulting, but it's your responsibility to say, that's not for me. Right. And whereas I think we say the practice should look like that. And so then I'm wrong if I can't do it, why can't I just get my shit together? Right. And it's like, God, how many times I've said those words to myself so many times, why can't I just get my shit together? You know? Um, And it's like, maybe because you're not prioritizing, how you fit into this puzzle cuz you're the puzzle
0: <laughs> we are the puzzle that needs to yeah. be a-
1: <laughs> it does i am the puzzle
2: <laughs> yeah that's- yeah
1: that's such a good point about you know we're always looking outside of us for the answer when we're the answer. Like we can't do anything if we don't take into consideration what our reality is, but that's just Mm -hmm. not, not the waters we swim in. Right. It's like not Mm -hmm. the way that we're brought up and not the way things tend to function
0: in the society, but yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a little bit like swimming against the current in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's hard to look into yourself too. Um, sometimes there are things that come up that, you might have to acknowledge and those feelings can be really hard to navigate. And, um, you know, I think also in society we're kind of, we grow up to push those needs aside in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, um, that it shouldn't, we shouldn't be making things all about us. Um, I think especially as women, um, yeah, that it can be considered selfish, um, to be kind to ourselves. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think that we don't have to go any deeper than we want to either. You know, I think um, so often when we hear this sort of conversation around reconnecting with ourselves and stuff, like for some people going a layer deeper is not safe. It doesn't, it isn't an option that feels good. And so there's not even a right way to connect with yourself, right? Like there's no one benchmark for doing that. And so, you know, connecting with with that connecting with your own reality might be something as surface level and simple as if I open my calendar, what is actually available to me in terms of a time slot to do something. Mm. And that might be it. That might be all you do is you just look at the very practical reality of how much time you have. And we, we, you know, because there's no point in forcing ourselves or forcing somebody else to uncover things that they don't want to uncover right now and that feel uncomfortable. Um, And we don't have to know why, right? Like I don't think we have to always know the why of all of these things either. So, you know, we we don't have, my point being, you don't have to dig if you don't want to dig Um, because it's again, another way of saying, well, it should look like this. It's like, well, my self-connection right now just looks like not overloading my calendar and that's enough. Um, Whereas for someone else, you might be excavating at a much deeper level of, um, you know, your mind and and body and love it. Um, But again, that might not be, that might not be for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that speaks to the importance of being able to find a practitioner who allows you to do those things. Somebody like yourself who is open and understanding and compassionate, who can ask those questions and and guide the client into taking a step deeper, even if it's a baby step. I think it's Mm -hmm. so important to find the right practitioner to work with who can guide you in that. Really, it's a scary, vulnerable process. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. being totally honest, but Yeah, just just like having this conversation with you, I'm like, I trust you to to take me to the next level. You seem like you're very very kind, and
2: (laughs) thank you. That's lovely. That's lovely. But that's the thing too, is you know, like I've spent a lot of time learning to be kinder to myself, and it is absolutely hands down the thing that allows me to to offer that out to other people. Um, And it's still an ongoing practice. You know, I had an incident yesterday where I bumped into a friend. Uh, who I hadn't seen for a really long time. And I was just the most awkward person ever. And I said stupid things, things that came out of my mouth that I was like, what, why, why mouth? Why do you say things? Um, <laughs> and I walked away and I went into that self, you know, you're an idiot kind of mm-hmm. like just really, and it derailed me for a few hours that afternoon of just being like, why are you like this? Why do you do this? Da, 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 da. And that that ability to just come back to the compassion and the kindness it's like, you know, you had a lot on your mind and and it's not even necessarily like um, explaining my, my awkwardness, like that's just who I am, but it's that ability to self-soothe and that ability to see yourself as a, as a, you know, whole human, a, a human who is, is not going to have clean, shiny edges all the time and do things, you know, the right way all the time. And so I think when we if we want to be more compassionate humans to others, we would really do well to to start that with ourselves, because when we start to accept those flaws. Right. It's not even it's not you know, it's not necessarily embracing them and being like, well, I love that. And that's so comfortable. It's like, okay, but that is just (laughs) because it wasn't comfortable. Um, But it's like. Then I can I you can share your flaws with me and I'm like, me, too. You know, like nothing surprises me literally nothing surprises me when people say oh like you know it's the worst thing but blah blah blah. it's like seriously me too like you know but we don't talk about that you know sometimes I know when I share things with with friends or or clients when it's appropriate um, about you know the way that I think or the, the things that I've said to myself or the the way that I've been in the world they're like oh nobody's ever told me that before and I thought I was the only one it's like yeah but we're all human if you think that you're the only flawed human walking around Mm. then you just haven't had a deep enough conversation with another human recently because we're all messy um and so i think yeah when we get more in touch with our own messiness but not from a place of just like make a list (laughs) but more you know okay and yet i am still worthy i am still here I am still doing good things in the world or you know I don't like like using that word but whatever Um, then we have more of that to offer out because we're not setting ourselves to these high standards of imperfect of perfection when we know we can never meet them and so I'm not going to hold you to those standards that would be hypocritical that would be awful Um, so I do feel like I have a lot of compassion and kindness towards others purely because I've I've been able to offer it to myself more Um, and I now notice too if I am judging you which I will right? Because we will, we are judgment, judgment driven people. I never believe my judgments mm. as at face value. I never do because I know that what I see is one part of a picture that I will never be able to fully grasp. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, appreciate that about myself and then, and then that can go out into the world into other people too. Mm.
0: Okay. So how, what are your, what, services or how do you work with folks like what are I know you have you have you work with folks one-on-one you also have your online movement space like what does that look like uh yeah
2: so I guess a lot of this work happens kind of quietly in the inside that space so the self-kind hub is really a movement library ultimately Um, but it's a movement library that is um filled with classes that are all taught from this place i suppose um so it's i like i said i'm not a purist so no classes are particularly pure in in any um modality but it's this fusion of of movement practices that i teach and they're all through that lens of of self kindness of curiosity of you know ultimately offering up something for you to then go how does this feel for me today so they look i guess like just classes you know just normal normal movement classes but all taught through that lens um and then within the the self-kind hub i go live once a week like we do sort of like live classes together um, sort of once a once a week and a couple of times extra a month. Um, and then I do monthly masterclasses where we go deeper into certain things. Um, sometimes it's just talking about stuff like this. Sometimes it's talking about body parts and, you know, specific things to help shift hip tension, shoulder tension, stuff like that. Um, and then when I work with people one-on-one, I guess that's more when we get into the like I can help be an extra set of eyes um, and, and guidance, I guess, when we're sort of looking for those movement habits and how we might start to find new pathways. So that is a process. I do all that on Zoom as well, but that's a process where, you know, we'll go through some movements together and and we'll just look for like, what other strategies could we find for moving, um, which looks sometimes a lot like yoga and Pilates and somatics, um, but that will allow you to feel what you want to feel. And so then we put together movement practices for that person um, to go away and do. Um, so it's a little bit of a hybrid, I guess. it's You know, I'm not a therapist, like I'm not a physical right. therapist in any way, but um, it is not just me stringing together a sequence of poses because you've told me you want to, you know, um do a sun salutation or something like that, which is fine. Um, but it's more what movements are going to move you towards the, the way that you want to be moving. Um, and then I'm just starting to develop a course, which is going to be kind of a midway <laughs> sort of situation. So, um, you know, you might not want to just like go and do videos, but you want a little bit more guidance. So I'm doing a low back love course, which is going to incorporate the movement piece and the self-kindness piece together to help people kind of have more tools more strategies around helping themselves to shift that low back tightness tension pain that has just become the normal kind of white noise in their life so yeah that's how I do things oh
1: that low sign me up for the low back
0: (laughs) So yeah. it is the spot that everybody's like, ah, they low back. Um, and
2: it won't be just low back. We'll, we'll touch on shoulders and hips in that process, but it is going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to, to getting that happening. Yeah. Sounds so yeah.
0: cool. I can think of so many people that will be interested in that and uh, that it will be super helpful for, because you're right. That is probably the number one. Thing that folks are like, my back just always hurts, you know, Mm. or I'm always feel uncomfortable. I can't get comfortable. So, yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation, Erica. I really appreciate you coming and sharing all of your thoughts and ideas. And um, I've learned a lot today. And I, like I said earlier, I always learn a lot from um, your posts on Instagram. So, actually, if you could let everybody know, where they can find you um that would be great and then we'll obviously put it in the show notes as well
2: yeah so the easiest place to find me is instagram um i you know spend a lot of time there um so i'm erica webb underscore self kind and erica is with a c um and ericaweb.com.au there's an au on the end because i'm in australia um they're probably the two best places to find me. And I've got a podcast as well, which is called Self Kind with Erica Webb, which you can find in all the normal places.
0: And we really appreciate you getting up so early on a Saturday morning. Um,
2: Those times- My pleasure.
0: (laughs) you're you're living in the future
2: (laughs) yeah look saturday's i mean i live in a it's it's turning to winter now and i live in uh melbourne which is known for being quite cold um so it's it's very gray outside the window but saturday is looking good so you're in for a trip
0: (laughs) well thank you so much and enjoy your day even if it's gray (laughs) thank you both it's been fun thank you
1: This has been an episode of the strong and simple podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics we've discussed or about any of our guests, please make sure that you visit us on Instagram at strong and simple podcast. And if there's ever any topics, questions, concerns, anything that you would like to suggest to us, please feel free to email us at strong and simple podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. The content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.